Good morning. It is, in fact, as of this recording, it is a few minutes shy of lunchtime on Christmas Day here in the United States. So I wanted to first start off by wishing all of my listeners new and long time a very, very merry holiday. Uh, let's see. We are coming close to the end of the year. And I know that the last few months have definitely been a little bit on the difficult side. But I definitely wanted to come on and not only check in with everybody, but I do have uh, at least wanted to share and spread some of the book news that I had come across. So uh, last week or week before last, I had finally had picked up a trade paperback that I had pre-ordered, Hidden Empire, which was back from the fall, well before uh, I went to Dragon Con. I went to go pick up, in October, Tales from the Death Star, and they couldn't find it, so I forgot that I had something else there. And we finally, better late than never, went and picked it up. I did. Excuse me. I did manage to kind of go through, uh, I find myself again kind of at this weird crossroad with my collecting because I am on a bit of a break with it, Uh, but me being a weird completist, I went ahead and noticed that the two active series still going on. Uh, Bounty Hunters and the Greg Pack Darth Vader. I'm a few trade paperbacks behind on that. And so I was like, well, shoot, if I'm behind, I'll just start waiting until the omnibuses come out. And so that way I can kind of slowly convert that to omnibus. And I was like, well, shoot. I can't sell those because they're not a complete set. Nobody's going to buy one through four unless by somehow the grace of God, they skipped. I mean, that's a huge chunk to skip. It's also the beginning of those series. So I was like, all right, well, I guess we are stuck doing trade paperbacks on it. So I was three trades behind on the Vader series and two on the Bounty Hunters. So last week when I went to go pick up Hidden Empire, I got caught up on all those trades, which I should hopefully have in the next month or so. And then that way my current collecting for comics will be at a good spot. I definitely hope now that we are on the back end of Holiday Rush with work that I will finally be able to 
start back up with my reading. I am fairly close to the end of Annihilation, and I definitely would like to start getting a jump on these comics. So hopefully the new year will bless me with energy and patience to continue that, because I really do like journaling my journey with you guys on the reading because I know it's very daunting and intimidating and finding the time to read. I think for me right now, my biggest challenge is just finding the time to sit down and read or having the energy to sit down and read after I've been working a long day. So I have, um, in my break from my Star Wars reading, I have been doing the um, audible audio books of The Lord of the Rings, uh, thanks to, uh, of course, this summer, early fall, I had read the first Lord of the Rings book that Andy Serkis had narrated. And then I had the distinct pleasure of actually meeting him at Dragon Con. I had already started before Dragon Con. I had got the Silmarillion, which was kind of the prequel to The Hobbit and everything. I had started that thinking, okay, let's try and get into some sort of an order. I've seen all the movies, so for whatever reason, I wasn't too intimidated about reading stuff out of order. However, the Silmarillion is, I I would say, the exception to the rule because the first chunk of the audiobook is Andy Serkis reading, I think it's a letter from Tolkien, explaining this whole concept and this whole story or kind of like a map or layout of where things are going or where things have been with this world and it I was so incredibly lost that I stopped so I went ahead and Silmarillion I hadn't even gotten to the chapter one part yet. And I was like, that's, this is too much. So I went ahead with my audible credits. I finally completed my, um, Andy circus trilogy. I have Lord of the Rings. I'm currently halfway through two towers. I have return of the King and I also have the Hobbit that he narrated. I have all of those. Uh, but I think once I get through Lord of the Rings, I think I'll do Hobbit and then I may go back to the Silmarillion just because for me, the Silmarillion I found a little bit more difficult because you're talking about kind of things at the beginning of this time. And I was just like, yeah, so, but you could not... I can't recommend enough for those of you who 
are looking for something nerdy to read. Someone who is a familiar face to a Star Wars fans. Someone who has arguably one of the best. You could not ask for a better guide. The Lord of the Rings books, like a lot of other classics, you look at it just like comics and you're like it's intimidating it is extremely intimidating the first lord of the rings book fellowship of the ring was 24 hours long um and it just at one point i had the trade paper i had the paperback that had the three lord of the rings books in one volume at one point i owned it and that thing was in the vicinity of one of my omnibuses, maybe my 2015 Vader, because that one's not as thick as the Old Republic one. But a lot of these books, you're, it just, oh, I am struggling with time. I need something I want to read, but I need to find an easier way to digest and, and fulfill that need. So Audible... <clears throat> You get a credit a month. I do have a couple Star Wars books in my library uh, that I will eventually read. I know I got Scoundrel because I was hoping that you may get to see a very young Ben by the end of it. Um, I did also get um, a couple of recommendations about some of the other books that are out there that Eventually, I will read because I think for me, because I've got so bogged down with Old Republic, uh, I just, I still wanted to read, but I could, finding the time and energy to physically read, it's so much easier to listen to stuff going to and from work or if I have time, if I get in to work early. Uh, and before the store opens, especially on Sundays, those are usually my, my time where I get in there before the store opens, um, that, you know, sometimes I listen to that, you know, when I'm trying to get some stuff taken care of, but it just, yeah, reading is so difficult. So my recommendation for those of you, uh, just Looking for for something nerdy to do, but something that's a little it's it's a little bit of a break, but it's also having seen the movies and being a fan of the films. It's the twentieth anniversary of the release of the Return of the King movie. Um, I I just I can't recommend the Andy Circus audio books enough, and to actually be able to tell him face to face just how much I enjoyed just fellowship. Uh, it, it, I just, I can't say enough good things about it. So please, by all means, for those of you, um, even if you have access to, um, if you have a library card and your library is on um, Libby 
which uh, I think for me, if it's like the public library, you know, you have audiobooks that rather than going into a physical library, it's kind of like an e-library where you can check stuff out electronically without having to go into or step foot into a library. Um, that's how I read Fellowship. So if you don't want to spend the money, the $15 a month for Audible, I do know that a few of the books that he narrated are on, uh, are available to check out through the library, or at least they are with the, with the county that I'm in. So check it out. Uh, Andy Circus narrated Lord of the Rings books, Fellowship of the Ring, Two Towers, Return of the King, The Hobbit. He did the Silmarillion that just released the end of the summer. Uh, so, I mean, he's narrated that big chunk of chronological order Lord of the Rings books. And I'm very excited to go down that journey with him, having met him. Um, before I deep dive real quick into books coming out this year, I did have a little bit of big news on the Comic-Con front. So last, in the last week, actually Tuesday, when I was getting ready to see Willy Wonka, or excuse me, getting ready to see Wonka with Timothy Chalamet, the prequel, which is fantastic, by the way. I saw the announcement for GalaxyCon Richmond that the Holy Sith Emperor himself, Ian McDarmid, will grace Richmond with his presence all three days in March here for GalaxyCon. So, a few things. I was kind of to that point where I had almost made up my mind about potentially skipping Richmond this year and going to D.C. the weekend before for Awesome Con because Hayden Christensen's going to be there. Um, they do have a lot of the Mandalorian people at Galaxy Con this year, but nobody that I was like really like, oh, my God, I've got to go. I've got to go. Um, I would like to meet Carl Weathers, of course, but I feel having had a couple of experiences where I'm just like, ooh, um, and then kind of having weird interactions with a couple of people the last couple years at various cons, um, I definitely... I wanted to be strategic with whatever I did this spring just because I am going to Dragon Con at the end of August. So I didn't want to spend a completely huge large sum of money. So if I did it, I, I was going to make sure that, okay, this is something that, especially for someone like Ian or Hayden, those two are at the top of the list. And DC, I thought, or I was like, when they announced Hayden, I was like, okay, cool. He's only going to be there Saturday. I'm like, fuck, it's Saturday. But you know what? For Darth Vader, for Anakin Skywalker, I was willing to, um, DC's not a terrible drive. I was going to, I was willing to look into doing that. And then they announced Ian for Richmond. And I'm like, fuck. I was like, 
I don't necessarily think I can do both um, because they are uh, DCs the week before and um, Galaxies the weekend after. It's St. Patrick's weekend in Richmond. I was like, well, Richmond's my backyard. I'm like the fucking emperor himself. I've been saying this the last few years. Ian does not go to many comic cons. He does celebration and he does ICCC in Nashville, which I wanted to go the last couple years, but it was just too much considering he was the star scheduled to be there. And Nashville's a little bit of a drive. It's about a nine and a half, 10 hour drive from here. So the fact that he's going to be in my own backyard it's, I mean, it's fucking completely unheard of and disrespectful to not go. So I, um, I find myself at a bit of an impasse because the other flip side, some of my 501st friends have pointed out. Galaxy is clearly not done announcing all their guests because usually... Where there is Ian, Hayden is usually there with him. And so if Ian's going to be there all three days, I don't know if they would bring in Hayden all three days. But I have a feeling if they did bring him in, they would bring him in one of the days. So now it's like, okay, tickets go off. Tickets are still, you can still buy them online, but they go off sale tomorrow they're like 15% off right now so I'm just like well shit what day would they bring him in do I get the all three days or because I did Friday Saturday and Saturday oh my god I regretted it because they fucking oversold tickets so I would rather hit Ian on Friday because he's only there four to eight get Ian done and over with or I go Sunday and just not, I would rather do Friday and Sunday or just one of the two to get Ian and call it a day. But the only thing with Friday or Sunday is the hours are shorter than Saturday. So, and I already know that Ian's only going to be there four to eight on Friday. So four to eight, if I do Friday is all Ian. Standing in line, it is what it is. Um... But then it's just like, okay, do I just get the pass and hope that they get Hayden? Because now I feel bad because I pretty much was like, well, I really want to see Hayden. But Hayden's a lot younger than Ian. Ian is getting up there in age. And I've said the last couple of years that I wanted to see him in Nashville. I really regretted. I was like, I pray to God, you know. That, you know, I'm, I'm able to, I need to meet Ian. Um, so, yeah. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I really don't. But anyways. I am going to keep you guys posted on that. <laughs> Pinky promise. Uh, I've got some decisions to make because, like I said, financially, especially with me doing Dragon Con in the fall, I, 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 re, I would want, I would like to think I could do both, 
but then it would kind of put me in a little bit of a spot with Dragon Con. And I already know that Dragon Con, um, it's worth it. And I don't want to strap myself for that. So I have a feeling I will probably need to do Richmond. I mean, it's the fucking emperor. I'm not going to not try and see. I mean, he, he's, I don't think he's ever going to come to Richmond. Probably. I don't know. Um, but obviously I'd have to pull the trigger on him and just hope and pray that maybe Hayden will be announced after the new year. So anyways, going forward. So I talked about books that I pre-ordered. I also talked about my dilemma with Galaxy Cons and Awesome Con with Hayden and Ian. I did want to touch on, I'm hoping to have purchased it in the next week or so. Uh, Box Lunch has a few of the uh, Ahsoka Funko Pops. I do tend to collect those, although my collection is kind of grotesque I really need to get everything together and organized because I've got a pile here a pile over there non-Star Wars stuff and big Star Wars stuff I don't have room for over here I mean it's it's all over the place but I did see they have the uh white zombie trooper or the night trooper excuse me the white night troopers I'm hoping they get Captain Enoch and or the um, Death Trooper, the zombie Death Troopers from the Ahsoka ones. I'm hoping they come along. Speaking of those, Sideshow, a.k.a. or, excuse me, Hot Toys, did also drop in the last week their um, Ahsoka series statues and they look fucking amazing in one of the pictures you did see the death trooper because it's the one they when they announced or the night trooper the white one with the red tape captain enoch was announced he was facing the white one and then you could see the death trooper one also in the same picture and it's like they, but they didn't officially announce the Death Trooper one. I'm like, ooh, I really, I thought the Death Trooper one looked a little bit more sleek because I like how they looked in Rogue One to have a zombie where they actually had that exposed jaw. I really, I was like, ooh, that shit looks sweet. But Captain Enoch looked pretty nice too. I really, um, so if you're willing to spend a couple hundred bucks on those, I definitely wanted to pass along to you guys those awesome ass statuettes. So I'm going to keep my eyes posted on when those come out because I want me that Death Trooper one. Don't know where the fuck I'm going to put it. I don't think it'd be very big. So... I could probably find room for it somewhere. Probably I'd have to put them next to my Kotobukiya Kylos. But uh, I could make room for them. I 
yeah, we've, we've got a little bit of a problem with the collecting. <laughs> um, and not to mention the fact, the other thing is like, shit, like, you know, they're probably going to come out. I think they, I, I feel like I saw somewhere with Hasbro, um, they had put out like the Black Series ones coming out. And I'm like, well, shit, I really want to go. Which one do I go for? I like the Funkos. They're easy to, to, to show off. They're a lot easier to show off than like a hot toy or a side. I mean, fuck. My poor premium format Kylo, TFA Kylo with the, um, I, ugh. he is on top of my hamper because it has a lid. He is on top of my hamper. He is two feet tall, almost two feet wide from the tip of the hand to the tip of the saber. It's kind of heavy. I don't have any shelf space unless I'm able to jam a bookshelf in here somewhere and put him on top. Oh, I, I have nowhere to put him and he, he's on top of my hamper that I don't use. I tend to keep my uh, my laundry, I tend to um, keep in the bathroom just because it's easier for me to keep an eye on um, when I need to do a load of laundry. And it's right there. It's accessible. I walk by it all the time. My hamper's in a corner of the room. I don't usually go over near my closet a whole lot. And so with him on there, I don't use my hamper. So, yeah, that's that. Um, but he looks nice. Uh, I definitely, the collection needs a helmet. Uh, I, I really, and I think the other thing for me too, I know how much the prices for Ian are going to be for, for Galaxy Con. Um, the autographs, the non 8x10 autographs are $150. So... Yeah, he's a little bit, he's clearly a little bit more expensive than Andy, which I, I could definitely, I'm, I'm thankful he's not more expensive. Um, I'm just going to say that. I think the picture is 120 or 110. Um, and so it's like, okay, it's Ian. You're going to get one thing signed. You're going to get the picture. One thing. And obviously it's like, for someone like him, a lot of shit, a lot of Palpatine shit. So I'm just like, what do I do? Um, I'm pretty sure I have. Let me see. I know, I'm pretty sure I have at least one Palpatine Funko Pop. I'm pretty sure I do. I have a lot of trooper variants, a lot of trooper variants. I even have a... Um, a Boba Fett, the, the Target, the artsy ones that came out the first when the Target started doing the, the art variant uh, designed ones. Uh, even though I'm not a big Boba Fett person, I went after, um, I went after a Boba Fett one for some reason because I like the, the paint splatter design. Um, I see Troopers, uh, Praetorians. Moff Gideon, Shadow Trooper, uh, Kylo, Sand Trooper. 
Uh, Malik Kersantin, which I bought him. So I, uh, that's what, uh, uh, Carrie Jones signed earlier this year, Darth Maul, spider legs, not spider legs, um, cybernetic legs. Um, oh yeah, I do. Yay. Thank God. I was going to be embarrassed. Lord of the Sith. Have at least one Emperor Palpatine figure Funko. Uh, I would have been uh, Emperor Ian would have been very just. Dis- I don't know how I could live with myself. Thank God I do. Yay! He's got a dark trooper sitting on top of him at the moment, but I do have uh, the uh, Force Lightning hands. I think it's it's the Episode Nine one. When he realizes that Ray and Ben are a dyad in the Force, he's got the black and red robe with the yellow eyes and the Force lightning hands. I did get him. I remember that because I also, that's how I got the Ben that's next to him, the um, where he comes to save Ray. And then, of course, I've got Imperial Disguise Chopper. That's my Savage Press. Um, Dark Lord Dwight Schrute uh, from The Office. I'm sorry, but that's one of the reasons why I love The Office and Dwight so much is his his <laughs> his Star Wars references in one of the Halloween office parties. He comes dressed up as a Sith Lord, so I have uh, Dark Lord Dwight. Um, That is Episode 9, Episode 8. Somehow I have a Christmas Vader. I don't typically go for the holiday ones because I think they look stupid as hell. Um, But yeah, thankfully, I do have a Krennic. I know Krennic's, yeah, Krennic's not in a box. I do have a Palpatine, but I think what I'm going to end up doing, um, my new force order tank top, shout out to Alex, Jimmy, AKA Papadon, GGP and Spiro. Um, I've started taking that tank top with me to comic cons and getting Star Wars signatures on it. And in fact, um, that's the one thing I had Andy sign. So um, I would love to add Ian's, if Ian can do a phrase on it. And of course, now it's like, fuck, he's got a lot of good lines. But it probably will need to be short. So it's like, hmm. I was just re-watching episode nine yesterday again. Um, of course, Ben Solo dying. I I still can't get through that part without not crying or getting upset. But um yeah. <laughs> I um I rewatched episode 9 and uh I really like the line and I know it would probably be short enough because with Andy and Snoke, I couldn't do heir apparent to Lord Vader. That was too long. 
So for Palpatine, just because it's fresh in my head, of course, that'll probably change. I, <laughs> oh, even better. How could I not have him do, do it? <clears throat> Oof. I'd, oh, man, kind of have to have him right do it. Um, but I was thinking from episode nine, I could do long have I waited rather than doing the for my grandchild to come home. I because he does pause when he said long have I waited. Um, oh, fuck, I kind of, oh, how can I not have him put do it? Um, okay. So I'm going to take suggestions. <laughs> I'm going to take suggestions. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, fuck. I'm going to have to do dick. Um, but yeah, we'll figure it out. It's got to be it's got to be a short Palpatine quote and that's if I'm allowed to get him to even put a quote on there. I don't know if it's just signature, like to Holly from Ian. I don't know if it's going to be anything like that. But with Andy, I was able to get um, a short quote. And he asked, did, uh, did I get him to put my name on it too? No. He asked if I wanted to put my name. And because the other signatures I have on here didn't put my name. I didn't want my name on there. I was going to try and get him to do heir apparent to Laura Vader because I wasn't doing my name, but that was too long. Um, so is pretending my name is heir apparent. Um, <laughs> cause I thought of that too. Um, let's see. So we have Katie O'Brien have Omid, uh, Dan Baker, of course. Damn, what? I can't read these signatures. This is embarrassing. This is embarrassing. Ugh. Hell. I can't read shit. Can't read shit. See, this is why albums. Oh, it's because I didn't put it into albums. Um, I don't have to go too far back. Because I'm sitting here. There's a signature next to um, Katie's that I can't read. Where the fuck's the picture? Because I know I took a picture with the person. Damn it. Getting old sucks. About to be 39 in a few weeks. And... <laughs> Thank God I got a, uh, um, oh, fuck, not Dan Baker, Jesus Christ, D. Bradley Baker, but it looks like Dan. <laughs> oh my God, that's too funny. I'm just like, Dan Baker, and then I'm sitting there going, who the fuck is Dan Baker, and <laughs> why did he sign my shirt? D. Bradley Baker, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh John Jackson Miller of course uh Casey Jones uh Dan Fogler aka Hutch because of the movie Fanboys I actually did get him to write no one calls Han Solo a bitch on here 
Um, of course, Andy Serkis. Um, but the funny thing about uh, Katie O'Brien is she did kind of, she, at first she was going to cross out Omid's signature, but I think she kind of pretended to do an X above his. Uh, but yeah, we, um, oh, and Freddie Prince Jr., which I forgot. But yeah, we have, uh, cause there's, there's another signature on here that I'm like, who's that? And I was like, oh yeah, I had Freddie sign this because I had three things for him to sign this year. Um, yeah. So I'm going to have to kind of figure out one thing for him to sign. Um, And well, at least it's only four hours. So as long as you're in line, do the pre-order. If you pre-order everything ahead of time, if you're in line and you got the ticket for it, then, you know, I mean, four hours is at least how long that I stood in line for Andy. So uh, for Ian, that I can definitely do for Ian, especially if it's in Richmond. It's not like I have uh, terribly far to go. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're working. We're working on the plan. Man with a plan. Anyways, going back to some upcoming comics and books coming out. I do not want to touch on everything, but some of the ones that piqued my interest. Because I tend to look at trades and epic collections maybe even omnibuses um because they're a lot more economically affordable to get comics that way uh for those of you uh of course now this was earlier this month but the they're up to volume 7 of the new republic which has Let's see. Star Wars Boba Fett series from 95, 96, 97. Jedi Academy. Star Wars Chewbacca from 2000. The only thing I hate about epics and omnibuses now is they do tend to bounce, bounce around quite a bit in some of the like they have like random issues in the middle of a series tucked in there. Whereas, um, cause I noticed that when I got the last few from the clone wars ones, uh, that you have like a random, random issue or two stuck in there. It makes sense in the continuity of what you're reading in there at the time, but it's kind of like, what am I going to do with episode with issue 19? Um, but the one thing I do like about my Old Republic omnibus is it's not necessarily like that where you have a random issue from this series and a random issue from that. It's 51 issues of Knights of the Old Republic. You've got um, The Lost Sun. You've got complete series in there. That's why it's so fucking huge. Um, but I did want to talk about Epic Collection, New Republic, Volume 7. That came out earlier this month. Uh, apparently, let's see, going back. 
This one I did find interesting uh, coming out next year. Mace Windu, The Glass Abyss, which is going to be a novel. Reading the back of the book, Jedi Master Mace Windu travels to a dangerous remote planet on a mission that challenges even his deadly prowess, all to fulfill Qui-Gon's last request. The Jedi are reeling from Qui-Gon Jinn's sudden death at the hands of a Sith. Jedi Master Mace Windu's feelings about Qui-Gon have always been complicated and have not been made any simpler in death. While they often disagreed, Mace valued Qui-Gon's unique perspective and their shared dedication to the Force made them allies. Without Qui-Gon and his unorthodox views, Mace feels out of balance. While considering his fallen friend's legacy, Mace is surprised to receive a final message from Qui-Gon, marked to be delivered to Mace on the event of Qui-Gon's death. The message contains a last request, a plea to help the Outer Rim planet of Metagos. Many years ago, a violent solar flare transformed the surface of a desert planet into a landscape of irradiated glass, as beautiful as it is dangerous. Now most of the surviving inhabitants live underground, where rival clans fight to control the planet's limited resources. As a young Jedi, Qui-Gon protected the Sayad farming clan from the planet's less scrupulous factions. The Sayad practice the art of dream weaving, retaining their waking minds upon sleep in order to communicate and coexist with wild creatures around them. Qui-Gon vowed to return if they ever required his aid, but now fails to, but, excuse me, but now it fails to mace to fulfill that promise. The Sayad's leader, Kinshan Nightbird, has begged for the Jedi's help in freeing Metagos from the Crime Lords. Do, do, do. Just trying, I lost my place here for a second. Vowed to return. Intent on fulfilling Qui-Gon's final wishes, Mace travels to Metagos and infiltrates the enemies of Sayad. But as the Jedi Master investigates the intricate web of adversaries and allies, Mace finds himself pushed to the boundaries of the Jedi Code, challenging his beliefs and his relationship with the Force itself. The book being, the book coming out, it, I don't think it gives a day, uh, next summer. Uh, is by Stephen Barnes. That looks, I would definitely go for something like that because it's not something we've seen portrayed on screen. Uh, uh, let's see. Do, do, do. I thought there was another one. Oh, that's a link for, um, supposedly, 
couple weeks ago, Entertainment Weekly published an article, The 10 Best Star Wars Books Ever. I don't usually take too much stock in this kind of bullshit, but considering this is the first full-length episode I've recorded in a while, and we are definitely book-heavy this particular episode, I wanted to go over what they consider the 10 best. Few of these are on my to read list. Uh, number 10, Inquisitor Rise of the Red Blade by Delilah Dawson, that came out earlier this year. Number 9, Outbound Flight by Timothy Zahn. Number 8, The Han Solo Adventures Trilogy. Han Solo at Star's End, Han Solo's Revenge, Han Solo and the Lost Legacy, Brian Daly, that came out in 79.80. Number seven, Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. Number six, which I have almost read before my illegal U-turn into Old Republic, Dark Disciple by Christy Golden. That I've heard is really good. Um... I know, having met him a few times, John Jackson Miller, his book Kenobi comes out at number five. Uh, I know that's a book that I've heard quite a bit about. Um, Number four, Bloodline, the Leia book by Claudia Gray. That one I I was recently recommended. Um, Of course, I already have them to read. At some point, because we've name dropped him several times. Uh, The Darth Bane trilogy, Path of Destruction, Rule of Two, and Dynasty of Evil. By Drew Karpishin. Okay, I can't read the article because of an ad. Uh, Number two, Darth Plagueis by James Luceno. That I do have to read. And then, of course, number one uh, by Timothy Zahn, the OG Thrawn trilogy, Heir to the Empire, Dark Force Rising, and The Last Command. Um, Those I actually had him sign for me a couple months ago. I'm curious, because we are on a little bit of a break with our Old Republic reading, and we've talked about other eras of Star Wars and books that are either coming out or are out, what you guys would consider some of your favorite books, whether it be from the OG trilogy, sequel trilogy, prequels, canons, legends, it, it, you are free to recommend what you will. So I invite you guys to reply back or let me know what you think is some of your favorite novels. I will put to put my stamp on a few of those I have lined out to read. I haven't actually read any of them yet. But if I had to say so far, and then it's like, well, shoot. Do I do novels or comics? Because then that one is kind of like, hmm. Um, Novels, that list is very small because I haven't read very many Star Wars books. 
Um, the only one that came close to fully winning me over was Revan. I just thought the ending sucked dick. Um, pardon my language, but it did. It it really did. Um, so for me, comics... Hmm. Comics is a tough one because that one I have read quite a few. It's like trying to pick out a favorite kid. Oh boy. Um, I think number one would probably be obvious Tales of the Jedi. The real Tales of the Jedi by Tom Beadich. I'm sorry, but that series, all seven parts of it, oh, you make me want to freaking reread it. I'm going to open up Marvel Unlimited later on after I go see Ferrari. Of course, spending another Sithmas with Adam Driver to, later today. I was supposed to be there right now, but woke up this morning with with a hellacious migraine. So I'm going to go to the next one here in a little bit because uh, I wanted to have, now that I had time to record a full-length episode, I'm like, oh, we're going to record instead. So anyways, Tales of the Jedi. OG Tales of the Jedi, that was, I, I could not recommend any higher. That was the beginning of the Old Republic for me. It was also a beginning of being introduced to this whole other world of dark side magic. And for someone who is hail team dark side over here, Meeting Exar Kun's character in there and the Keldroma brothers, um, it was, oh, it really, it was really exciting because we hadn't seen any of it play out. It, it hasn't been tainted by Hollywood and played out on the big screen. I don't think it's really in any of the video games, even like Knights of the Old Republic. I'm sure there may be a couple playable characters that you can create or add in there at some point, but to my knowledge, what happened in there hasn't really played out anywhere other than in the comics. And then, of course, Exar Kun's character uh, was in the Jedi Academy trilogy, with which that I did get signed also earlier this year by Kevin Anderson. Um, I thank my stars every day, and I stand behind. That was the beginning of my journey with the Old Republic. It's 5,000 years BBY, because right after I read that, I jumped right into Revan, which was my first Star Wars novel. Um, so for me, that was the beginning um, yeah, I'm really thankful. Tales of the Jedi is probably my favorite. Um, I really liked the Knights of the Old Republic series as well. The 51 issue one that we reviewed earlier this year. I say that because 
It is the largest series that I have taken on so far. I don't think any of the other, un, until I get to the Vaders and the Bounty Hunters, which they're already in their 40s in terms of issues, none of the other series that I've read have been that long. So I really, I really enjoyed what John Jackson Miller was able to create with that world. Um, of course, I do remember reading my very first Star Wars comic was Target Vader and or the Rise of Kylo Ren. Um, that series, I can't say enough about that. That was OG Holly starting her way in the world of Star Wars comics. That's where we started. Um, I really enjoyed the Grievous series. Um, oh boy. Trying to think of one. Ah! Fucking Son of Dathomir by, with freaking Darth Maul. Really leaned heavy on, and I take a lot of joy in reading stuff that's not been played out on screen. I kind of avoid the movie adaptation stuff because I, I just a lot of that, some of that stuff came out after, and I'm just like, mm, I've got that in my head. I, I I tend to go more for the stuff that has not been seen. Um. But yeah, I'd say, yeah, Son of Dathomir for sure. I think, at least for right now, those are the ones that come to me so quickly. Um, I can definitely think of a few where I was just like, eh. Uh, but yeah. What are some of your favorite comics that you that we've reviewed the last few years? I know we've been plugging through Old Republic for a while, but I um, I can't say thank you enough to all of you for having been on this journey with me these last few years. And as we get ready to round out another year of my life on Exegol, I wanted to close out by Thanking you guys for your love, support, and patience. It's not always easy to try and jump on and record as frequently as I used to. And because the news and what's out there has kind of slowed down a little bit and I've taken a break from my reading, I, um, I find myself in a little bit of a rut with, with work. And so... I am grateful that you guys have been so patient with me and stuck by me all this time. I want to again wish you guys a Merry Sithmas. And I very much look forward to continuing my journey with you guys with the comics and the books and the tattoos. 
I look forward to sharing that with you all in 2024. So until next time, my friends, as always, may the force be with you.